and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. This week, as always, we have a super amazing woman for you, Naomi Simpson. As one of Australia's most prominent entrepreneurs, Naomi Simpson is known as the founder of online experience retailer Red Balloon and the co-founder of the Big Red Group. The Big Red Group houses a number of brands with its purpose being to shift the way people experience life. Before founding Red Balloon, Naomi worked for big businesses including IBM, Apple, KPMG and Anza Airlines, all of which influenced her views on workplaces. She is an investor on Network 10's popular television series Shark Tank, a business blogger, much sought after keynote speaker and author of two bestsellers, Live What You Love and Ready to Soar. A true business influencer and leader with more than 2.6 million LinkedIn followers, she's Australia's most followed person on the business networking platform. Naomi is also a governor of the Cerebral Palsy Alliance and a member of the board for the University of Melbourne Faculty of Business and Economics. Naomi received a number of high-profile awards, including in 2008 National Telstra Businesswoman Awards for Innovation, Ernest Young Entrepreneur of the Year Industry Category winner in 2011, and Lifetime Achievement Silver Stevie Award in 2013. And in early February 2017, she commenced her role as a member of the University of Melbourne's Faculties Business and Economics Board. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational woman. Enjoy. Okay, this week we have another super awesome guest for you. We have Naomi Simpson, which I'm extra excited about because we've been trying to get Naomi on the show for quite some time. So welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So Naomi, what we normally do is we love to start with our story. So we'd love to ask a woman of inspiration to unpack a story and please share with us what is your unique story and how did you get to where you are today? Oh, I don't think it's particularly unique and nor special. You know, I grew up in middle class Australia and went to the local high school and 
you know, managed to get myself off to university. So, you know, I think that I have a very normal and average life. In fact, um, it's quite surprising if we look at entrepreneurship because uh, often uh, some of the greatest entrepreneurs are actually new Australians, you know, people who are first generation or arrived to Australia because uh, they see the world differently. But, you know, I'm from a very, very average and normal background. So when we talk about entrepreneurship, do you think that's something uh, innate in us or is that something do you think that we learn from either sometimes it could be parents or sometimes it's something we fall into? What do you think? Sorry, are you still there? Yes, I am. Um, there's no there's no doubt that um, being a role model is very important and having role models that we look towards. So, um, and when you can see your pathway, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know. So the question is whether it's nature or nurture, mm. and it might well be in your nature, but if you can't see a way forward and you don't know what that looks like, then you you are unlikely to get there. So it's really important that we have role models, and I think it's both um, a nature and nurture thing. So is it something that you've always had? Have you always considered yourself an entrepreneur from, you know, say your teenage years or your young adulthood? Um, I had – my father started his own business when I was at university and my sister has her own business. And um, my mother worked for one of Australia's leading entrepreneurs, which is Lindsay Cannamol, and her business was Aspect Computing. So I have been surrounded by entrepreneurs or people who are running their own businesses, and I thought that, that was absolutely a possibility. Uh, I, I saw it as a normal way forward. So, yeah, it's it, absolutely possible. And what kind of entrepreneur would you consider yourself? Because some entrepreneurs are, can be really creative. Because you're, you, I, I think about you and I, I see red. So to me it's a powerhouse and red is all about passion and moving forward and having fire and constantly on the go. Uh, is is that something that um, you've always had in you, or is that something uh, that's just kind of came with the role? Well, it's funny because somebody stopped me today and they said, "Oh, Naomi, you look amazing." It was seven o'clock in the morning. I, I'm I'm sure I did not look amazing, but when you wear colour, that's what people notice. They don't they don't notice that I've probably got some bags under my eyes and I really could have done with a little bit more sleep last night. So I do think that really. Um, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a coverall uh, and it distracts people. The other thing is because I'm a speaker and a role model and in the media and so forth, when I put on the red dress or the red jacket, then people are comfortable and they know who it is and what it stands for. For me, it's a uniform. I just wear a uniform and, uh, you know, I like to suggest that there'd be more women in leadership if it didn't take us so long to get ready. But, you know, if we can just, you know, tick one box and not have to think about it, you know, the amount of time it's just, oh, what am I going to wear? Well, I just grab the next red jacket that I didn't wear yesterday. It's fine. It makes it easy. Well, I have to say that is your brand. I remember seeing, I think it was on Instagram when uh, I think Janine Ellis uh, took a photo inside your your walk-in wardrobe and it was just all red clothes. And I thought to myself, wow, how how amazing is that to just not to worry about, well, this colour will go with that colour. You just make it happen. Uh, that's exactly right. It does make it really easy. And I literally just, 
you know, it's it's not a big decision-making process and sometimes it can be in terms of getting ready and wearing the right outfit. So it serves me well. And years ago somebody did say to me, oh, you look great in red. Is that because of the business? And I go, okay, I look good in that. Great. I'll stick with that then. <laughs> so, you know, some stylists some days going to say, you know, that red thing really doesn't work for you. And uh, anyway, we'll see. And do you think that was a driver for you building your business brand? Because it is very much your business brand. Not just the colours, even your uh, big red group, just even your everything to do with your business. Consistency. I've been a marketer my whole life, or not my whole life, but since I finished university, I've always worked in marketing. And uh, success in marketing, especially when you don't have budgets, is about consistency, consistency of execution. So, um, and colours are vibrant and memorable, and it's the oldest trick in the book is using colour. That's why most logos are colour, and it's why there's more red logos, uh, red with yellow, than any other uh, logos on the planet because they're memorable. So true. I remember reading something about, I think it was to do with, when you said red and yellow, it was to do with activating the left and right side of the brain. Um, That's exactly right. mm yeah, and I just I, I it was I think it was an article written it was around McDonald's why people get so addicted to the you know McDonald's was because of the activation of the certain parts of the brain, mm. which is fascinating. Yeah. So I would love to uh, get a bit of an understanding. What have been what has been some of your greatest lessons learned as an entrepreneur? Oh gosh. You were asking to digest 20 years of experience. What's the greatest lessons? Look, one is that we often rush to the urgent for the sake of the important. Uh, That means that everything always seems urgent when you're living in an entrepreneurial world and there will be another Christmas. So obviously Red Balloon is all about um, experience gifting and it's about, um, you know, people buy it for gifts and Christmas is, is a very big time for buying gifts. And so I was always planning Christmas as of the 1st of January, you know, like literally we just get through Christmas, get to the new year, and I'm already thinking of the next. Well, sometimes that short term, and 12 months in a, in a business life cycle is actually very short term because you need to build your business strategically. So often rushing, or it was somebody else's gen, agenda. It's like, quick, I need this, versus working what is important to scale my business. I was rushing to the urgent of individual requirements. So reading uh, Gary Kellett's book when he talks about the one thing, um, what is the one thing that when you do it, everything else becomes easier? And that's a real discipline that I have now is about making things easier. So is it a matter of um, prioritising your, I guess, you know, I always have a a to-do list and I look at which one will have the greatest impact, that one that will have the greatest impact that will take care of the rest. Is that similar to what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. So systems and systems and processes are systems and processes allow you to scale. Now, to to build um, true infrastructure and platforms, it it's going to take more than a few weeks or a few months. It might be something that we evolve over a long period of time. The systems that I started with. None of them are here now. You need to build it strategically over a long period of time. So often, if you're just rushing to what is urgent, you might not do the real deep thinking that you need to build your business strategically. Mm. And from a time management uh, perspective, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs do uh, spend or invest a lot of time in that urgent thing. Uh, It has to be done now rather than actually being more strategic, standing back and look at it 
um, from a, a different perspective? And, and how much of that impact will that urgent, uh, whatever that is, that thing that you need to do, how much of an impact will that have? Exactly. So That's you, exactly right. When you're talking about systems, would you like to share some of your systems that have worked for you? Oh, well, um, I, I, I couldn't keep doing the same things as I've always done because I, the world has changed uh, since we started in 2001. One of the greatest challenges in any business, an online business right now, is how we find, attract and keep customers. And we couldn't keep doing it how we were doing it before. So um, one of the things that we invested in is technology called Albert, Albert AI, and he came out of Israel. And um, he's a digital marketing tool and he's completely autonomous. So he connected to our first-party data, such as our uh, customer information, our product files, our Google files, our Facebook. And what he's doing is looking for customer behaviours and then he's looking for audiences to repeat that to. And and so as an artificial intelligent platform, he was able to create, when we connected him, 6,500 pieces of creative on the fly. And no human can do that. And then he he's works under a series of KPIs. He has no emotions, but he has a certain set of commercial outcomes that he is required to meet, and he uh, only spends money if he's achieves, achieving his KPIs. Uh, and that has been transformational for our business in terms of how we find new audiences and new customers. And so that's Albert, and he works in the consumer space. And the other thing we've done is re-platformed our business to be on the Salesforce stack, and whether that's Service Cloud, Commerce Cloud, uh, um, Social Studio, Marketing Cloud, and they're all integrated. So instead of many different systems, we now have one view of the customer and then we serve that customer in many different ways. Mm, I love that. And I think that also from an entrepreneur's perspective, moving your business online can be quite costly. And what would you recommend for those that are starting out in a business and looking at, um, you know, obviously, like you were, you were saying before, things do move and they move very fast and we have to be constantly um, flexible and moving with the times, with the market. How does one uh, move their business online in an effective way, but not a cost, with not, you know, having to invest so much money? So um, we, so, so really what I've described to you is an enterprise-level system, um, but it's quite easy to produce a minimal viable product when it comes to using a WordPress application, a whole series of plugins, using Stripe. And if you are looking at opening an online store, it's actually very easy to produce. I mean, I can build a website in a day, not even, and have it, um, you know, do its search engine optimization and have it facing forward. I mean, if you look at the big red group, uh, .com.au, you know, I built that in a day with one of my buddies and it's, um, you know, serves us very, very well. My own blog, obviously, I work on every single day and, I, you know, I've got a shop on there and so forth. But I really think that we should take a step back before we look at the execution and implementation around particular technologies. Mm-hmm. That's an outcome. Not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody is designed to run a small business. It's quite stressful. Yep. It has ups and downs. And it's one of the reasons I wrote the book Ready to Soar because people come to me all the, all the time and say they've got business ideas. And when they've got a business idea, that's fabulous and great. But maybe they're not the person to run their own enterprise. 
And that can be really challenging for people because everyone assumes that it's actually quite easy. Everybody assumes that they can run a business, lead people, manage people, scale a business. It's not so. So my number one thing when people say I'm thinking about starting a business, I say read my book, yeah. Ready to Soar. And and if you're not even prepared to read it and do the work because there's work, workbooks um, throughout it, you know, there's worksheets and everything, if you're not prepared to do that, then are you really ready to run and scale a business? So it's about doing the work, and in that process, you'll you'll formulate what is your next right thing. Because not all businesses are online. When I started, there was very few websites, really, in the scheme of things. Now, literally every single day, more than a hundred thousand WordPress sites get built. A hundred thousand. It it's running seventeen percent of the internet. So how on earth do you get cut through if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you stand for and you haven't done the work? on being an entrepreneur first. So true. So, Naomi, I'm just curious, with your uh, Ready to Soar b- workbook, is that um, helping entrepreneurs build a bit of a business plan? Because what I find is a lot of entrepreneurs die, dive into that um, big audacious idea and have no business plan. Yeah, so I didn't have a business plan either. Okay. And um, so there's business plans and there's business plans. There are plenty of templates online. Um, the Australian government's got some, you know, in terms of how to do a business plan. The banks have all got them. So that's not the real issue in terms of doing it. It's the thought process. And the number one thing to be able to answer, what's the product or service that you're hired to do? And and when you look at that word hired, it's materially important in terms of running commercial enterprise, what are people prepared to pay, how many people are there, where are they located? And that's the real question that you need to answer. So the ready to soar is about the thought processes of preparing yourself for the journey of entrepreneurship. And yes, there will be an outcome, but it's about what is my purpose? What is my vision? What are my values? Where do I see my customers? Do I want to be in a partnership? What's life going to be like in this journey? And that's the important piece of work that needs to be done. Mm, I love that because, I mean, I think that really is important to understand your why. Um, and on that, what are your thoughts around partnerships? Uh, gosh, they're complex and they're hard. Mm. Um, I have a wonderful partnership. Um, David Anderson is my business partner in the Big Red Group. We bring such different skills and talents and I kind of reflect back on that movie called The Intern, which had Robert De Niro and um, and it was such a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she was so committed to the customer experience but had a commercial naivety about her, and he brought this beautiful authority. And I'm, I'm not saying that's us because I am very commercial, but I am, I am all about the customer over and over and over again. I know intuitively. It, it, I, I see customer. I feel customer. And he's all about systems, processes, scale, operations, making sure that we take that core essence and are able to scale it. So really, when you're looking for a business partner, you have to look for the yin and your yang. Mm. And too often I see women just look at their husband and go, come and help me. Or the husband going, well, you're having a good time over there. I want to do that too. And there are some very great family businesses, but it takes a different sort of skill set to work with your partner. And or, or people turn to their best friend. Oh, yeah, let's work together. It'll be so much fun. Well, they might not have the alternate skill sets that support your non-strength. So 
choosing a business partner is not just about a we like each other, we've got shared values. It's about working with each other on different set of technical skills as well as strengths and that complement each other. And truly great partnerships are those that are with people who are materially different. Mm, I, I I love that. It makes me think of uh, I actually have my husband who does all the technical side of things because I'm so not tech savvy at all. I'm very much all about people. Um, but I remember it was I think it was Michelle Bridges when she was talking about when she first started her business with her husband. She was she said that's like a no no, a definite no no, and um, it still rings bells to my ears when I think about it because um, I'm still in business with my husband. And um, but we're, we're the yin and yang. He does what I can't do, and vice versa. Mm. Mm. Is that is that something that you started when you started your business? Were you working with your husband? Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. We're no longer married. Yes, no, because I was about to ask you uh, in regards to um, your pain points. What would have been some of your biggest pain points? And um, yeah, I'm just uh, reading what you wrote down. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I guess it is. It's one of those things when you get involved in business with your partner. It's one of those things. Uh, you know, how long is it going to go for? And especially when you're involved on an emotional level too. Yes, that's right. And um, when they're, you know, I was actually talking to my daughter about this last night. And um, you know, I was married for 20 years, and I would say that that's a very successful marriage, and we have two beautiful children, and we were in business together successfully for 10 years. But when the marriage was over, then obviously it's going to create some friction inside the workplace. And and you know, we have 100 employees or so, and all of them were like, "Well, what does this mean for us? What's happening?" And that, so it's a real. It was stress not just on us, but also all of the people around us. And we were very fortunate that we were able to navigate that um, professionally uh, moving forward. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, we, we just kept, we just kept saying, we've got to look after the kids. We've got to look yeah. after the kids. got to look after the kids. So we were both very adult about it, but it doesn't mean it wasn't very painful. And um, there was a long, uh, a very long period where we remained uh, the co-owners of Red Balloon, and ultimately it wasn't going to work anymore, which is when I created a business partnership with David Anderson, who helped me acquire all the shares in Red Balloon uh, as part of the big red group so that we had a go-forward strategy and Peter was able to exit the business. Mm, love it. And talking about um, a strategy, I noticed uh, some of your online courses that you do, you've got um, a piece on selling your business. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs, when they uh, go into business, they don't even think about having an, an extra strategy for their business. Is that something that you would recommend for every entrepreneur? No. No. Some people are going to create an enterprise that serves them. Yeah. And then serves their family and there's multi-generational businesses. Um, there may be uh, – so I don't think the exit point – in fact, it gives me – you know, I'm in two camps. One is that as an investor, I need a defining moment. And when I'm investing in a business like my Shark Tank businesses, I want them to have thought about how I'm going to get a return on my capital. Mm. That's just being polite. I'm not a free ride or a free lunch. But it doesn't have to be an exit. It might be a management buyout. There's other ways of having a liquidity moment. Yeah. And um, But also, if you've got a really lovely business, like people used to say, why haven't you sold the balloon? I said, because it's a great, great business that produces profits and employs people and we're doing great work and we're shifting the way people experience life. 
it's a great business. Mm. And for me, it wasn't about the exit moment. It's about my contribution, my living my purpose. I've met many an entrepreneur who sold their business and then wonder what they're doing yes. and what they're going to do with the rest of their life. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but to invent your life beyond your business is very, very important on that journey. But, but I'm often offended by people who create a business only to flip it. Yeah. yeah. Because they've forgotten about the customer on the way through. So true, isn't it? And I think it's, it's, I mean, what you're talking about is your business went through a transition, not so much an exit. No, I went through a change of ownership. Yeah, yeah. Which is different. Yeah, very. And I still, I, I, I've always had 50% and I still have 50%. So, yeah. you know, that's not changed. No, that's awesome. So another question I have, and I love to ask this one, is what do you think is maybe the number one or some reasons that uh, entrepreneurs or small businesses fail to succeed? Why they fail to succeed? Mm. Oh, look, you know, there's 100,000 businesses and they've all got a different reason, but there's some fundamentals to success. One is to keep educating yourself, and I hope they're all listening to your podcast because that would be one of them. Yes. You've got to keep educating yourself and, and learning from others, and it's really, really important. Secondly is when people stop listening to customers and they think they know everything, and they go, what happened? You know, that, that all of a sudden customers aren't buying from them and they don't know why, and that Maybe they've been disrupted. You know, at the moment, Seek is busy being disrupted by LinkedIn and Google and Facebook. And the disruptors being disrupted, there is no set and forget in business. Mm. So they've stopped listening to customers. They're not learning, but also that they've not got the right team around them. And as businesses grow and scale, you need different sorts of employees with different skill sets. And that can be challenging too. Everybody's got to keep growing. So, um, Growth is not is not a set and forget. It's a over and over and over again. It doesn't happen it is easily or automatically for any business. So what would you recommend as a platform or a way to get a bit of understanding of what your customers' needs are? Because I know there's people that make do surveys. Some people actually ring their customers and say and ask them through a series of questions. What would you think is the best way to actually get to listen to your customers? Well, 100,000 businesses, 100,000 different ways to do it yeah. in the sense that it depends on the sort of relationship a customer wants to have with you. If they have a transactional relationship with you, there will be a survey, survey or a post-transaction uh, NPS score or something like that. Mm. But if you have uh, uh, people in mo um, engaging with you emotionally, you may well have an advisory board. If people want to engage with you socially, you may well be doing things in the social media space. So it depends on the sort of relationship you have with your customers. And not all customers are equal in terms of how they want to relate to you. So true. Yeah, absolutely. So Naomi, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, <laughs> so funny. It's so funny you ask that because LinkedIn asked me to write a piece on that. You know, what would you tell your younger self, your 22-year-old self? Yes. And um, that was what turned into the book Live What You Love because I started writing. You know, I talked about passion. I talked about persistence. I talked about positivity and I ultimately talked about how we find our purpose in staying curious. And that turned into the book Live What You Love. And I knew I had a problem when, you know, a 600-word blog turned into a 72,000-word book. So live what you love is how I, is my journey on discovering what I tell the young people around me, but also anybody who's on this journey of discovery is, you know, how do I know when I'm in my passion? Am I in my calling? 
I want to contribute to others. How do I know? So, uh, uh, so I've written a lot of words on what I would tell my younger self, but it is about passion, persistence, positivity, and ultimately my sense of purpose. Mm, I love that. And with your, so obviously you, for in the book, Live What You Love is really about following your heart's desire. It's what you absolutely uh, get lit up about. Is that correct? No. No. So that what a selfish thing to say because if it's all about you, you never get to your purpose. And to go on the um, the evolution of emotional maturity, mm-hmm. so passion is your energy. You just describe passion. That's not purpose. Mm. Purpose is about making a difference to the human race. It's about contributing to other people. And actually where we thrive is when we support our community and we grow. People who are only serving themselves live in a diminished world, in a smaller world. Mm. So to serve greatly and contribute is about having a sense of purpose. Now, that is a whole process of discovery, which is why I worked on the, on that particular book. Mm, that's interesting because I know that for – and I totally agree with you. It is, it is very much how can I be a service to you uh, and to you being the customer. But I think that in um, just from some of the – conversations we've had over time with some of the entrepreneurs and the uh, business owners they go into the business doing the things that they love because that's what lights them up that's what they're passionate about not necessarily asking if that's what the customer wants it's more driven by them and then then they go out there and be of service but from what I'm understanding it should be done the other way around um yes it can't be it can't happen in isolation that's for sure Mm what we give not what we get I'm sure that's what your mother told you when you're growing up (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so the other question we love to ask our woman of inspiration is to pick one word that best describes her personal brand what would be that one word for you persistent yes absolutely and the other thing uh, is that we love to ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners so what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today first of all if it's meant to be it's up to me you are in control of your own destiny secondly is to stand up and be heard but do it with brevity. So the third one is brevity. Think carefully about the words you use because your words define your reality. Oh, I like that one. How would one stand up and be heard when, and I find this a lot of, the, especially women in uh, in leadership, um, tend to sort of sit back and stand back and wait for other people to come forward. What would be a piece of advice you would say for, for these uh, young entrepreneurs and women in leadership roles that don't have that courage or the the confidence of standing up to be heard apart from reading my book live what you love um you know because i talk extensively about when the voice inside our head turns into fear and how it stops us and um really we have to just think about what's the worst that can happen And ultimately, any employer has employed you for your opinion, your insight. And if you are so stingy as to not ask that question or give those that your voice to it, then you you you're not being you're not doing what you're employed to do anyway. So um, I'm just it worries me this kind of self talk. I shouldn't. I wouldn't. I couldn't. Absolutely, you know, it's up to you. You can't. We can't expect to have balanced voice. 
we don't speak up. It's that simple. So true. Then how does one walk through that fear when that fear is right in front of you, in that, you know, niggling at your ear saying, I'm not good enough, you know, people make fun of me. What's what's your trick? You know, it's just the self-talk. It's the positive words we use. Yep. Just look in the mirror and say, I can count on myself to say the right thing and ask the right question. I know myself to be whole and perfect and just absolutely okay. So, you know, it's the just seriously, just give it up. Mm. I, I, um, honestly, there is, I am no different than anybody else. The only thing I do is be in action. I, I choose every single day to make a difference. Mm. So do you set yourself daily intentions to what you mapping out for your day so that you, cause it sounds like you're, you're very good at remaining positive and setting positive intents on a daily basis. Uh, it's almost a mantra now. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. So as we wrap up the show, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Well, I'd love them to come to naomisimson.com. Yes. And if they click on the shop, they can get both the books there and I will personally sign them for your listeners. Oh. So that's a little treat for them. Um, and I really think that that's the best way to engage. I get hundreds of requests for mentoring and I often ask, I said, "Can you know, the reason I wrote those books is to share what I've learned. And if yes. people take the time to read it, absolutely happy for them to come back with a specific question afterwards. And um, both of those books will really help people on their professional journey. Thank you. So for our listeners, live what you love and ready to soar. Uh, I would highly recommend you go out and grab those books. Naomi, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom with us. And um, thank you so much for your time and energy. So my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Okay. See you. Thanks. Bye. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.